Welcome, everyone, to episode 79 of everyone's favorite mediocre program. This podcast is just okay. My name is Nick Rose, and uh, this is a new one for me. First in a series, like, uh, I know a while back I did the uh, unwanted movie commentaries, and I will be bringing that back soon. Um, I just got to find a movie to do a commentary on. Still, you know, holding out on that Batman Forever one. It's uh, floating around in space somewhere, so I know that's been highly anticipated. Maybe one of these days it'll it'll come to fruition again, but uh, until then, this is a new... Uh, I don't know, Try to, uh, new type of series I'm trying to undergo here um, for the podcast. This is not going to be a top five uh, typical episode. Um, I don't want to call it um, Albums Unleashed because that's already been done. I want to have a new and exciting name. So uh, maybe I'll come up with something by the end and uh, we'll do that. So <clears throat> basically what this is, it's, it's a brand new uh, different show, uh, type of show where um, I'm going to talk to the writer, producer, and all-around cool guy uh, in the, the group Oz. And we're going to say uh, welcome to the Mysterious Adventure. Um, for those of you that don't know, um, I formed a group called Oz uh, back in 2006 and uh, fronted it until about maybe two years ago. So, um, it's, it's been a hot minute, man. There's lots of songs to get through and cover and albums and stuff. And, um, I thought, why not? Um, I don't have an interview E, I guess. Uh, it's just me. Um, I did the albums myself, played all the music, played all the instruments. And, uh, I'm going to kind of dive deep into what went along with that process of building these albums. Um, you know, I thought... <clears throat> about picking my favorite, you know, right off the bat. But then I was like, you know, I can't go, I can't skip around with the albums. I got to start with number one for the people that don't know who I am, where everything started from, where everything originated from. Um, you'll get a taste of that today. And that's what I'm really excited about. Um, I don't know. I guess we're going to, we're going to start the show and kind of wing it. And uh, hopefully this turns out really cool. So I'm going to play um, a different theme song today. I'm going to play it in its entirety. Um, I know you guys hear the cover songs I do weekly. <clears throat> let's go back. Let's let's uh, play some original music here. And uh, this song is pretty fitting as uh, the theme song. It's the very last song I wrote as Oz. And uh, we'll play the last song, and then we'll go back to the very first album. So here we go. Let's hit the theme song. I'll uh, see you guys in a couple minutes. Well
man, that's an introduction, and that's how you start a show. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the episode. Uh, yeah, still haven't come up with a name. Maybe it's going to be, like, uh, Records Unchained. Boom. Total ripoff of the Decibel Geek. I'm sorry, guys. But this is my music, so... Um, anyway, how's everybody been, man? Uh, this is going to be a really cool... Uh, topic for me, I think. I don't know, because I, I guess I'm getting kind of good at talking about myself. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, I guess I'll just start breaking it down. So I've been a musician uh, since I was about 13 years old, and uh, it happened. Uh, I was on a trip to Michigan uh, to visit my family. And my older cousins were all in rock bands at the time, played guitars and bass and stuff. And I was like, you know, I've always wanted to do it. I've always wanted to be a musician. I came home, and that day I picked up a guitar for the first time, and that was it. That That's how it all started. And I've been um, playing music ever since, playing in bands and, and stuff. And this is in the summer of, of 1999, so... Uh, yeah, I was in a band in the 90s. Weird. <laughs> you know, very short spin. But um, uh, And, you know, it's, what's great is, you know, we didn't have the kind of technology that uh, we've got today. So a lot of the digital stuff that we do, it didn't exist. Or it did, but it wasn't easily accessible to um, kids and, and the public and indie bands and stuff like that. I mean, you had to pay top dollar to get everything recorded and produced and all that stuff nowadays i mean you can do an album on your phone which is incredible and it, and a lot of these kids I, I think they take it for granted because they don't know of any other way and um i've got cassette tapes and even that was a little primitive back then but or high technology i guess but um yeah re cassette tapes re recordings of me um playing the guitar as i was learning how to play so i've got like my earliest notes documented on tape and I'm, I'm trying to convert those onto uh mp3 and i've got most of them but um i had a i had a fallback uh, a while ago i had a nice stereo system and i i rigged a bunch of cords and stuff hooked it into the computer and i was uh converting tapes for the longest time and uh you know as a, as a test run to get to my music and i put on some acdc and it snapped my tape in half and uh I put on another tape and it snapped, another tape snapped. So I was like, I'm not going to mess with my tapes. They're there. They're in a box. They're in the, the vault, as I call it. Uh, I've been calling it for years. But, um, yeah, so I've always been in and out of bands and uh, playing music, guitars. Uh, eventually, I started picking up uh, drums, bass. Not the, the best at either of those, by the way. Um, it's all subjective. But... <laughs> I don't know, man. It, it's a, uh, it's. I come from a different time, I guess, and it's weird where that time went. Uh, I don't know if it's a, uh, you know, paradox, uh, Mandela effect universe, but um, it, it doesn't seem like kids are are picking up instruments these days. And I know I just heard that uh, Gibson has uh, declared bankruptcy, and they're one of the the biggest uh, music, you know, companies in the world. Um, Everybody loves Gibson. I love Gibson. Um, I've got a couple myself, and uh, I'm very proud of those. It took me a long time to accommodate those, accumulate them, and uh, I've got them. But, uh, no, it's weird. So when you tell people, 
yeah, yeah, I got this band, or uh, I'm, a, I'm a musician now. It's like, okay, so because everybody can do it at the t- that, with their fingertips, um, in their pocket, they got these devices. You don't even need to pick up an instrument. All you got to do is push a button, and it's so sad because I think that uh, definitely diminishes the the creative quality of uh, of our youth today. I don't know. But uh, like I said, it, it's it's a different time that I come from, and um, the albums that I I've done actually kind of reflect that. They're all uh, period piece uh, of their time, and you can kind of tell a little bit. But um, so let me go back, man. The very first band I was ever in was called Americanize, and the way we got to that album or that name um, is me and a, a buddy of mine in middle school, and we had uh, it wasn't like we were the best musicians on the planet, but it was like, hey, I play guitar, you play guitar, I don't care how good you are, you don't care how good I am, let's start a band, let's just do it, because that's what happens, you meet someone with a similar interest, you become best friends, you start a band, and uh, too bad Wild Stallions was already taken, because that that was us, man, that was uh, real life, so, <laughs> and uh, kudos to any of you that get that reference, if you don't, you're too young for the show, but, um, we we played around. We played bands. Um, played songs. Uh, played a couple live gigs that were humiliating. Um, I wish I had him here. I could I could interview him too. But uh, you know that led to the fallout of the band. Just kind of giving you the gist of things. Uh, it led to my second group, the third group, fourth group, whatever. The the one that stuck. It was called Established, and uh, we were getting kind of well-known around the city and the community and stuff. We had uh, played some gigs and uh, played some birthday parties and put out an album. And the recording process is always fun. It's always magical. And I've never actually been in a real recording studio setting, just everything that I've set up myself. And, um, you know, like the early Americanized albums, they were done with this wonderful technology called Sound Recorder which is like what i moved up from uh, cassette tapes to an actual computer uh which was like oh yeah this is ritzy sound recorder i don't even know if computers still have them uh they're google it or uh you know ask your parents kids <laughs> i'm not even sure they know what what it is but uh that's how we did a lot of our early stuff um all on the computer and uh the established album got a little more progressive we had bought a a computer program that was like a professional recording studio uh it was basically a 150 dollar version of audacity <laughs> um but hey that's what that's what it was and we couldn't figure the thing out it was it was impossible to do and uh you know but we could lay down we could do layers and lay down multiple tracks it was it was amazing and so we have this album out and uh, we had toured it around uh, Warp Tour that summer and given it out to people. Here's our demo. You know, check us out. You know, here's our contact information if you like us. Book us for some gigs. And um, ended up meeting a few of the bands that were playing that year's Warp Tour. This is 2004. Yes, 2004 at the time. And uh, we met some of our favorite bands that were playing there on this, this major label called drive Through records and uh you know handed it out gave them all personal thanks in the liner notes of the book that we had made ourselves when we did this thing it was professional it was 
like a press kit, but it, you know, it had the, the booklet and the CD, and we did a photo shoot uh, all on our own dime with disposable cameras. It was, it was insane, but we, we got the special film, so everything was black and white. Um, and a, some people are looking at that going, what do you mean special film? Back in my time, kids, you couldn't just apply a filter to a photo. You had to buy specialized film to get the certain effects and colors that you wanted. And I had to spend an extra couple bucks to get a black and white camera. Uh, disposable, mind you. Um, which, uh, you know, in turn, you, you take all these pictures. You spend a whole uh, session and days and stuff taking these photos. You take it in. They develop the pictures, and you find out that most of them are useless. But um, it, it turned out pretty okay. I, I liked it. And uh, I won't mention the band's name, and I always say that, because you know what? They're not around anymore. Um, it was a, probably a, a year or so later. We never heard back from Drive Through. They, they blew us off, so we figured, okay, it's a rejection. Whatever, we'll move on, make another album, and then we'll be good to go. And uh, it was the next year's Warp Tour. We saw the band again. Didn't get to meet them this time, but we, they were up there performing. And they closed out, and they said, "Hey, here's our new song. It's coming off our new new albums, our new single." They start playing this really killer riff, and um, I'm digging it. I'm going, "That sounds familiar for, for a new song. This is this is awfully familiar." And the music starts, and the words start, and I'm singing along to it. And I'm going, "If this is so new, how do I know this? Is it a, one of the demos that I?" downloaded or something i don't understand and then it dawned on me midway through the song i wrote it so um yeah i was a little little bummed about that but at the time i was just a naive young kid i didn't know about publishing rights and copyrights and all that stuff i just thought integrity is integrity here's my cd you know that's mine so um let them have that one have their their day you know but anyway it, it was kind of discouraging to the rest of the bandmates and uh they all had their own separate things to do. They didn't want to be in, you know, a goofy teenage band anymore. They wanted to grow up and do their own thing. I wanted to be in the band. So um, I had written a bunch of songs, and that ended up, that wound up being the first Oz record. Um, we had broken up established in mid-2005, maybe early 2006. And uh, I was working for a guitar company. Um, I'm, I should say a music retailer, um, that, uh, their, their uh, initials are GC. Uh, everybody knows them. They're going out of business too, which is, which is crazy. But I had been there for, for a while and I had been, you know, contemplating doing my own thing. Cause I'm working with all these musicians and all these people who are out there trying to make something happen in their lives. And, uh, well, why not me too? The cool thing is I get this killer discount here now, so I'm going to be buying everything at cost. And, you know, so for an example of what cost would be, it's everything that the store pays to bring in merchandise. Um, this is kind of how the sausage is made here. So, in other words, you want to buy a set of bass strings that cost you 13 bucks. Well, it costs the store about $4 to bring them in. So that's all profit on their end. I got to buy those strings for $4. So I got everything at cost, and I started accumulating guitars and gear and pedals. And the biggest thing was recording equipment, something I never had before. And I bought this 16-track this, uh, uh, portable recorder because I had 
I had done something weird and different. I had joined a different band, which is of all the the years that I've been a musician and all the bands that I've been in, um, they've all been mine. I've started every single one of them, and I've I've kept them going and and written and and done all the stuff for them. This was me jumping in, auditioning for this other group to be, you know, just backups. And they had the this sixteen track recorder, and I I loved it. I went back to work the next day, and I said, I need to have one of these. This is incredible. There's a, it's basically a portable studio um, that you can carry around wherever you go. And uh, I bought that. Eventually, I opened it up to uh, local recording artists, that, kids that couldn't afford to go into a studio. Hey, man, let me do your demo for you. Let me produce it for you so you can send it into a record company. You know, make a couple dollars on the side doing that because at the time, iPhones didn't exist. You, know, you couldn't make an album on your phone. Uh, during this time which is you know it seems like commonplace now but at the time it wasn't and uh so anyway i had this recording unit and i'm trying to uh figure it out and i'm writing songs but i have a few leftover songs from the established days because we were working on another album that didn't go anywhere and i had all these different songs written and uh one of the first tracks that came out was an instrumental piece called Intro. so chaotic at the end and just poof, done and I <laughs> this was one of those songs I actually wrote while I was at work and um, I did it on my lunch break and I was just kind of messing around with all the, the boss pedals and uh, a couple of my coworkers are coming over me just like what are you doing you're, you're crazy I'm making all this noise in the, the store and stuff and uh, this song came out of it and it's, uh, it's always been a staple in my shows my live shows I open with it intro you know it's the first song and um what did i use i used uh, a couple boss pedals with it uh just a chorus pedal and a, a dd3 delay pedal and uh yeah i mean for for those of you that want to get technical and stuff i actually recorded that one. Oh man what was it see i i don't even remember now i'm pretty sure it was the ibanez iceman uh, PS10 Paul Stanley guitar and that's been one of my favorite guitars and I've recorded a lot of my songs on that uh, particular guitar uh, played along with a Fender P bass and, uh, and I'm not a big fan of Fender but the bass rocks so hey it works right um, it was done I was learning how to uh, record the the album and use the the machine so that was kind of my tester song 
and uh it it ended up being nine different tracks so i had layered at nine different times to make that one song and i thought that was the craziest most you know intricate thing i had ever done but it's so rewarding and uh to this day I, I can still play the song and i i love it and it's uh it was the very first song on the uh the oz record the the welcome to oz so and in the welcome to oz album the whole concept came from i was trying to think of a name because i'm not going to go with established you know even though i still got the email address from back in the day but I, i'm not going to go with established so what defines me and i started thinking about themes you know i'm a big kiss fan i like themes and theatrics and stuff and i thought i want everything black and green uh it's you know I was a big wrestling fan at the, at the time, too, so it incorporates uh, DX, you know, the black and green, neon green, and I wanted that to be part of the band mystique, and uh, there are these uh, guitar picks that I've always played. They're emerald green picks. Okay, well, emerald, emerald green, you think... Uh, I wasn't trying to go with a Wizard of Oz-type theme, but the name was Oz, you know, and to me, it meant a mysterious adventure. You know, you don't know what's going to happen. And uh, that was the concept of it. And I took on a character as, uh, you know, Vincent Fernier became Alice Cooper. I became Dwight Fry, named after an Alice Cooper song. Um, but the whole concept of Oz was to follow the mind and life of Dwight Fry. And that was the first album. That's the introduction. You know, it starts calm, almost like a dreamlike sequence. And then it starts to fade out comes back in and it, it, uh, for some reason it always reminds me of a rainstorm uh, that's that's kind of what I was going for it's just pure chaos but it's beautiful and uh, so that was the end and uh, so the next song that I had recorded and I'm looking at the playlist right now because I haven't seen the album in a while uh, was See You Tonight and and See You Tonight was a cover song of course uh, by Gene Simmons uh, from his 1978 solo album and I actually did send him a copy of this this album and he never got back to me and I was reading that he throws a lot of the demos in the trash so I was kind of heartbroken about that because this song has always meant so much to me and it's weird because I didn't have um, a, a decent drum set at the time I had gotten rid of my drum set so this is a lot of just guitar work guitar and bass and vocals and so but it works because it's just a, a demo a demo album and um you know it is what it is and i always used see you tonight as uh, a warm-up song for my, my hands kind of like stretching you know getting the chords down make sure my guitar's in tune i would always play see you tonight for for years and one of these days i was like well i'm gonna record it because i love this song so um yeah see you tonight I know it's around I don't have any doubts about that night I'll see you again tonight And if I can't I'll cry and cry And you won't see And this is another one of those staples in every show, and I, I've always done intro into See You Tonight, because they think they, they flow kind of flawless, and uh, 
that's the introduction, man. That's the first song I did as me by myself. I mean, not technically. I did a lot of the all, the uh, established stuff by myself, but gave the other guys the credit. And this was just me. So this was like my welcome sign, the, the see you tonight. And it, it just had so much... Um, going for it uh so the next song i, I had done uh, we're doing a track by track so why not i mean i already broke down the album right <laughs> the the next track is uh pin her down and uh pin her down i don't know it's always been a favorite of mine but i look back on it now and it's pretty cheesy um i wrote it for my girlfriend at the time who's now actually my wife so um that, that's uh, the way to win a girl's heart, kids. Uh, pick up a guitar and write cheesy music. Um, whether it's good or not, it doesn't matter because as long as you make it from the heart and use your hands and don't do it on a digital device because that's lame, uh, things work out for the better. So pin her down. Um, we had dated um, about you know a year before. And it, I, I, won't, I don't want to say it wasn't working out because it was. I needed to get my life together, and she, I had said, you know, we should go on a break, and she met someone else, and I hated it. I hated the guy. I hated that she took that as the the moment to say, no, nah, see you, dude. Get it together. And I wrote the song as uh, kind of an ode to that, and uh, to say, hey, look, I'm sorry. I'm an idiot. Um, listen to me. And I used to sing it to her all the time, so it's uh, it's definitely important. I've never done it live, though. Pin it up, pin it up, pin it up, photograph Pin it up, pin it up, pin it up, make this last Pin it up, pin it up, pin it up, let love be, yeah Pin it up, pin it up, pin it up, photograph Pin it up, pin it up, pin it up, make this last and the song is still just as important to me as it was back then and and uh i tell everyone yeah pin her down and they're thinking this like s&m's type thing that's, that's not what it is at all i actually took the line from a counting crows song called anna begins and uh, i was listening to that a lot and uh that's kind of where the concept of the song came from. That one and uh, the song "Love in Chains" by uh, Paul Stanley, off his uh, solo album. So I took you know, best of both worlds, made of my own, and I did these weird uh, reverse chord patterns. And um, yeah, it was uh, it was a challenging one to play, but uh, definitely one of my favorites. And it, it originally had drums, but I, I couldn't get the timing right, and it didn't fit. So, like I said, a lot of this is kind of like a. I can't even say acoustic because um, it's all electric guitars, but uh, it's a it's a guitar album. You know, there's no drums, and uh, one of these days I might try to remaster it, but I haven't had the time or motivation to do it. Um, better off alone. Um, better off alone was an established song I had I had written. Um, kind of like when my my life was falling apart as an angsty 19 year old kid. You know, what did I know about life? But I, I had written the song. Everything was falling apart. I felt like my friends were using me. You know, my girlfriend at the time was using me. And uh, my band was falling apart. And everything just sort of seemed to break away in such a way that, I don't know, one day I was uh, I was sitting in the kitchen at, our, at my apartment with my, my, my two roommates at the time. 
don't ever do that that's that's its own story but um and i was i was looking at i had just bought this uh brand new shiny disco ball because i always wanted a disco ball and i I bought it and I'm, i'm looking at it it's just you know broken broken mirrors and uh at the time my my ex-girlfriend at the time had uh, spent the summer you know partying it up and stuff and kind of drowning herself in 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 drink and stuff like that and i've never i've never drank i've never you know touched anything i've never drank or done drugs or none of that stuff it's just complete uh sober conscious mind at all times which uh, people are like oh how do you do it i don't know man i just do it that's life but um, so there's a line in the song that's kind of confusing. It, it says uh, a broken mirror and an empty bottle. Now, you know, you piece it together. But the broken mirror was me looking at the disco ball. The empty bottle is told from her side of the story. So you have two perspectives in the one song, which um, I've come to do many times throughout the uh, the Oz albums. I like to do the different personality clashes in the song to tell the story. And uh one one day I woke up and and I'm looking at that disco ball and watching my life fall apart, you know, before my eyes. You know, my my job already sucks. I uh, I don't know. There's a lot going wrong. And I said, you know what, man? Honestly, I'm I'm better off alone. And uh, that's where the song came from. So I had recorded the song. I had got the guitar parts down and stuff without a metronome. I'm not keeping good time. And I decided to go into work and uh, record the drums on my break and just kind of fill it around with that and one of the guys there he goes come on man what are you doing this is this is sloppy you know it is painful to watch and so he goes let me hear the song and i showed it to him and he goes okay check this out and he laid down a whole drum track for me just played it and he goes that's how it should be played now layer it and i did i went home that night i figured out his his, his rhythm and his patterns and this became uh a really great song and I, I do it live but acoustic because I, I don't have that backup band but Better Off Alone is one of my favorite songs and was the original title to my upcoming book but um, I had to change that because it sounds kind of mopey so um, and I'm not a mopey angsty teenager anymore so um, but yeah man Better Off Alone it's uh, that's one that kind of stands up and it's kind of like a punk rock song it's a little heavy this is part of the established days so this is a song that I had written pre Oz um, but I think it fits, and it's uh, it's a staple in all the live shows. It's intro, see you tonight, better off alone, because those three pieces are the puzzle that fits uh, to the to the Oz records. So there you have it. Broken beer and an empty bottle. I'm all alone. Yeah, it's fine. One last tear, you're not in my dreams Please take this pain, better on my own It's better to have never known That you loved and lost at all So take your lives and take your problems As the days just pass me by you're no longer my home I'll be better off alone 
that's the track right there. That's still one of my favorite tracks. And the line that I had written was, it's better to have never known you than to have loved and lost at all. Kind of like a reverse wordplay. Um, I don't know. It, it's one of my favorite songs that I that I wrote back in the day. And I actually recorded this one. I had bought a signature. Speaking of Gibsons, I, I had uh, recorded it using a signature Ace Fraley model uh, Gibson Les Paul with the three DiMarzio pickups. Um I mean, it was such a crunchy guitar. I didn't even need a, a, an effect pedal for it. It was just that heavy, and I love it to this day. But, uh, yeah, so what else is next on our list here? There's a song called Ode to Alice. Now, originally the song was called Sorrow, and uh, because it sounds sad, it's, it's a mopey song. And the thing is, I was actually uh, messing around one night on an acoustic, and I was trying to play the old Alice Cooper song, Nobody Likes Me. You know, there's a theme here to the album, and uh, part of the riff is there, but um, I thought the, the song's the name Sorrow was, was kind of a little whiny, so I changed it to Ode to Alice, because it's uh, my ode to an Alice Cooper song. And honestly, I had words. I was trying to write this song, and nothing fit. Nothing fit properly, and I couldn't come up with a melody, so I kept it as an instrumental, as is, and I thought... Hey man, it's uh, it's as good as any. So, you know, it's not intro, but uh, it is another instrumental. And I thought every every band should have an instrumental song on their albums. So, that kind of became the staple later on as well. Um, so, Otalis or Sorrow. <laughs> Every kid has a face only their mother loves. So <laughs> uh, I've never played it live. Um, it's like a one take type thing, and uh, I didn't I didn't want to play the whole thing. It's it's almost five minutes long. It's uh, it, it goes from soft and calm to really heavy, um, crunchy guitars, and it just kind of it's a little sloppy. It's a little messy, but um, it fits. So. Uh, there you go. The next song is called Uncovered Lie, and for the longest time I had called it Untitled Number 2, because as established, we had a song called Untitled 1, or Untitled. So um, this one is actually one of my favorites, and I had bought is uh, a Digitech uh, pedal. And I'm, I've never really been a big fan of Digitech pedals, but this was um, an all-in-one, inclusive, multi uh, pedal, this big bells and whistles thing that had hundreds of um, guitar effects pedals built into it. Um, so you, you know, kind of eliminates you getting the single pedals, but at the same time you have their digital presets, so you can't, you know, torque the the knobs a little bit. And uh, I don't know. So I had bought this thing when I found it that it had uh, drum beats in it as well, kind of like a, a built-in drum machine. So I'm like, well, this is kind of cool. And I've never really messed with a drum machine before. So um, I played it or messed around with it uh, for a day or two. This thing was really expensive, too. It was like, I don't know, almost four or five hundred bucks. Um, 
and that was with a discount too, man. This thing was was nuts. They were selling like crazy though, because they were brand new. It was around Christmas time. It's Digitech. I always prefer Boss over Digitech. I don't for some reason their their brand doesn't do it for me um, like Boss does. Boss seems more natural, but um, like Oak, Oak Express. <laughs> but um, no, so I had written this song, Uncovered Lie, and it's one of my favorites. It's probably one of the heaviest songs on the album. And I recorded the song and then returned to the pedal the next day. I was like, nah, I'm done with it. I didn't even use it for the guitar at parts. I just used it for the drum machine. That was the end of it because I didn't like any of the presets. They didn't sound right to me. So, um, But this one's a cool song because I had written it, again, as told from two different perspectives in life. And uh, it was like basically it was this person talking to his former self through uh, a a dimension through a mirror and uh, the younger self not understanding the older self and how life changes and how things are are different I always thought it'd be a really cool music video to have kind of like a I don't know multiple personalities basically yelling at each other um, over whatever in life i don't know i'd never had this issue but i thought it was a cool concept and uh this became one of my favorite songs and i actually redid it for the acoustic album uh, a couple years ago but uh uncovered lie man that's uh this one i never played it live i always practice it and sound check but i've never done it in uh one of these days i think i i ought to but um here you go That's actually, oh man, still one of my favorite songs I've done. And I, man, listening back on it now because it's been a while, I, I was a beast on that guitar, man. And I, I've tried doing it, and I cannot, I can't get it up to that speed anymore. I don't know if it's, uh, I don't know, early signs of arthritis or what, but that song kills me to do uh, that that instrumental chorus part, and it's one of my favorite things I've ever done. It's like some kind of weird um, F something chord way at the at the top of the guitar or the, the bottom so um yeah that's uh wow <laughs> it, it's cool going back and listening to all these but um 
because the album's wow the album's almost 13 years old so that makes me feel really old and uh, outdated here but uh hey i think some of these songs still kind of hold up they're uh i wanted to make this timeless uh this classic so and uh i, I was kind of kind of doubting listening back to the first album again and going through it but this has actually been pretty impressive and I, i'm glad i did because Man, some of these songs, they, they really hold up uh, their end of the bargain. Like this last one, the last song on the album is called Outro. You can't have an intro without an outro. So um, this one, let me go back. That uh, The Uncovered Lies song was actually recorded on a Daisy Rock uh, pink sparkly glitter guitar, which is one of my favorite guitars because I bought it, and their slogan is guitars for girls. So, of course, everyone at the shop makes fun of me for buying this thing, and I'm thinking to myself, hey, look, man, I'm going to play these shows. Whether you're an opening act or a finishing act, people are always going to remember the, the guy with the, the pink sparkly guitar, right? Because it looks amazing. And it sounds amazing, too. It's pretty heavy for, for being a quote-unquote girl's guitar. It's, it rocks. It's heavy. And uh, I don't know. It's, I, I've recorded majority of the Oz stuff with that one. So um, the last song um, I had done with a, uh, with a Magnum Les Paul, and uh, it's called Outro. And it was my first and only uh, dive into open tunings because I, I don't know open tunings are a little scary and I, I try to stray away from them. But uh, this one I had done in a C open tuning, so it's a C A C G C E is the uh, tuning. I was trying to learn the song Bronier R. I think that's how you pronounce it from Physical Graffiti, Led Zeppelin. And I was trying to try my hand at being like Jimmy Page, and. Um, outro came out of that and it actually sounds pretty cool and it was done this is the impressive part man i had come home on my lunch break uh, from from the shop i used to get an hour-long break and i came home and i was i was working on this song and i was like i'm gonna record it i've got a little bit of time today and so i i plug in the guitar it's got the the drop c tuning and i say all right let's do it hit record and the whole song is done in one take one take one guitar and it sounds cool, and I I, uh, I used to play it in warm-ups, but I've never done it live. And I think if I did, it would uh, it be pretty impressive because it's, it's pretty cool. It, it turned out pretty good because it sounds like, you know, multiple instruments and, and bass and all this stuff, but it's just me and a, and a guitar in a room. So outro closes out the album. Um, yeah, you know what? I... Uh, I don't have time. We're, we're almost at an hour here. I don't have time for the mailbag and the, the trivia this week, but I'm going to get to it next week. Um, haven't forgotten about you guys, so thank you for listening. Uh, I'm going to play us out with um, the song Outro. So I hope you enjoyed the first uh, the first of many to come uh, album, you know, in-depth uh, breakdowns of, of the albums. Um what did I call it? Records Unchained. So maybe that's what we'll call this episode. Records Unchained. I like it. But, um, yeah, man, thanks for sticking through it. Uh, tell me what you think. Uh, you can email me at kissmember34. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, it's okay. I see I'm, I'm too far deep into the past. It's justokpod at gmail.com. Uh, justokpod at gmail.com. You can also message me uh, on Facebook at facebook.com slash this podcast is just okay. Um, I'm also on Twitter at 
oh just okay podcast i believe is the twitter handle um there's also merchandise at cafepress.com slash this podcast is just okay merchandise there's a lot to that title but uh it's worth it man check it out um of course all the songs were uh, written by me today this is the the oz adventures so thanks for sticking around i'm gonna play you guys out with outro have yourselves a week and i'll catch you guys next time (laughs) 